when I see George Floyd down there on the ground, I see myself. Mm. And I seen and heard him cry out for his mom at that nine seconds that police had his sort of neck or his knee in his neck. I literally felt myself in that scenario and I really wept. Well, hey, friends, welcome back to the podcast. We've got another great conversation on deck for you today. Alan sits down with Rashawn Copeland for another very real, very raw, very encouraging conversation for part two of our Dear White Leaders series. Now, Rashawn was previously on the podcast back on episode 97. So if you haven't checked that one out, do yourself a favor and listen to that one, too. You can hit pause, go listen to that one, then come back to this one. Or you can sit with that one after you've listened to this one. But I would encourage you to listen to both of them as both conversations are very needed and we fear they're going to help people take next steps towards leading in unity with everything going on right now. Hey, and one last thing, and we'll be sure to link it into the show notes, head over to stayforth.com forward slash field notes. That's stayforth.com forward slash field notes and check out a resource that we've put together to help white leaders educate themselves. You'll find a list of books, movies, and talks that'll be a great resource to look at and share. So that's stayforth.com forward slash field notes. And again, we'll link that into the show notes. So with that, I hope you find today's conversation between Alan and Rashawn Copeland very practical, very hopeful, and very encouraging. Our goal as white leaders needs to be to learn, to learn, to pray over their thoughts, their words. They're going to give us some potential next steps. Uh, and I'm honored that our guest is my friend, Rashawn Copeland. Rashawn just brought some fire on Right Side of Leadership <laughs> podcast. Uh, love this guy and just Man. his posture. God's using Hell. him in a lot of different ways. Uh, so Rashawn, in addition to being a family man and just a great guy, what are some of your spaces of influence and what's your vocation? Man, Alan, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me again. I consider it an honor to be back on your podcast. I know we're going through some tragic times, but I'm so grateful that uh, you're a man who actually, you know, uh, extends his platform to, to better the church and to further the gospel, the kingdom movement. So thank you so much, man. Um, but me, I'm a author, a minister who writes and a writer who preaches. Uh, I devote my life to sharing the gospel, you know, digitally online, but also just reaching people in, in my neighborhood, the person across the street. And that's where, and I sort of write about it all and through content content online and in books. So man, I'm 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 pumped to connect with you today about some of the stuff happening. Uh just realistically, I've been extremely affected by this uh personally and also, you know, you know, just through vicariously in a way. You know what I'm saying? Through what's happening, you know, what's happened through, you know, Fidel, you know, our so many different people, man. So like, and I, I won't, oh, I, yeah, it's just tough. It's a tough season for me, bro. Honestly. I'm sure. And, and Rashawn, number one, we hear that and I yeah. receive that. And I honor that you're coming on to share in the midst of exhaustion and pain yeah. um, in this on top of coronavirus. So thank you for the way that you continue to lead and serve. I'm sure you're exhausted in, in this moment right now. So yeah. the, obviously you said there's been many names. It, it hasn't just been George Floyd and there are signs. There are places online to be able to see these yeah. public murders that we have been able to witness through social media. So, so true. how has 
the murder of George Floyd and the reactions that have followed and the outrage that's followed, how has that personally affected you? So um, I would definitely say I've been angry on many different levels, angry personally and inwardly angry, um, sadness, uh, frustrated, fearful, uh, just many different ways. You know, I could say I've been fearful uh, because it can be me next. It, it feels like, you know, at times, you know, sort of the reality is, you know, and I look, think of Ahmad Arterberry, you know, running through his neighborhood. I'm a brother who go out on walk my kids, but also run. So the reality that, you know, you know, these men took, you know, justice in their own hands and, and, and killed this man. So it, it that's the full side of it. But the is I know it's not a skin issue, it's a sin issue. And I know we're going to get into that, but I'm frustrated because there's no change happening. You know, this has been a generational problem for many years. You know, even in the past five years, I've been seeing just just more oppression and brutality in our country. Uh, and what my cry is, is what God's cry is, is wanting to see a united church, which is going to start there, but also wanting to see everyone come together. But I understand, you know, Jesus said, you know, you know, I didn't come to bring peace with a sword. And I like, there's going to be a divide somewhere at all times, but I just want to see, um, and I think that's God's heart as well. Want to see human flourish. And it's just going to go back. Yeah. To, yeah. Addressing the problems and really seeing who the true solution is. And guys, you can hear Rashawn's incredible story and go to episode 97 of the right side of leadership podcast. Um, incredible story and what God has done in your life. And Rashawn, I know your heart is for the outsider. So yeah. I want to honor that as well. You're not just thinking about yourself. You're yeah. thinking, how can God use me in, in this season? But it yeah. isn't selfish to think and talk about yourself in this moment. We want to hear, yeah. want you to process that. Rashawn, when a public Bro. atrocity like this happens, and, and we all see it in just the disgusting nature of that, what is helpful for a white friend to reach out and ask you or tell you, and then what is not helpful in a time like this? Um, I would definitely say what's been helpful for me in this instance, in this time, uh, has been, you know, brothers, white brothers, pastors, whoever reach out um, via not just text messaging, uh, but through even a phone call, like what we're doing, having a conversation. That's that's helpful right there. And actually listening to me open up, you know, the sort of dialogue in listening, you know, and, but going into the conversation, not with, uh, sort of a, a, a cry, you know, a cry for me specifically, but us going into the conversation, whether we're black, white, green, yellow, whatever it is, but we're going into the conversation with, I want my heart to change first. So like, when we go in there, we're introspectively asking ourselves the critical questions. Where can we continue to, to grow in this? So when we, when we have these conversations, you know, because we can easily get offended by talking into, you know, these things, because a lot of it, the media is hyping so much stuff up. And, you know, for instance, bro, yesterday, let me just share this quick story. Yesterday, I was with my kids at a park, and we're at this park in Edmond, Oklahoma, uh, and you know it's predominantly white in um, in uh, in Oklahoma, and we're sitting here, 
and we had just walked up and I'm the only black male at this park. And this is the first time I actually felt the weight of, of racism, but I'm walking up to this uh, deal and I'm getting ready to, you know, grab my kid, play with them. I'm saying hi to everybody. Everything is good. But needless to say, a kiddo up there was like, there's a monster. There's a monster talking wow. pointing right at me. It was embarrassing. It was really embarrassing actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, wait about two minutes later, I engaged the kid, you know, I sort of brush it off and like laugh, of course, you know, because it's not his fault. You know, kids are innocent to a standpoint. A lot of times it's the parent or people around them who influence them in such a way. But here's the deal. Here's what really uh, uh, hit me. Um, he, his dad comes up and grabs the kid and places him in the car. They get in the car and they drive off. I'm thinking they just left. So it was already kind of like, I could definitely tell, you know, that he was leaving because I was in the park with my son. And, you know, the people around, you know, one lady comes up and talks. She tries to clear the murky water a little bit and encourage us, me and my wife. And um, so we get to five minutes later, we get to walking again and we're walking down the sidewalk. We get to another section of the park where there's another playground. And we look over to our right, and there goes that family that was at the other park, that we, our playground that we see at this second playground. And I, I look over there, and my heart was just burning at that moment, like, I got to go start a conversation with this guy. But needless to say, this other, you know, Caucasian lady, this white lady who was walking by, who had no idea what was going on, was super intentional about stopping me and my wife, just loving on our kids and two under two and, you know, encouraging us and things like that, which was really cool. I thought it was a divine thing. Uh, But needless to say, I walk over to this guy after, you know, that lady was done. Um, And when I get to this man, I just said, hey, hey, man, I'll stick my hand out to shake his hand. And I was like, dude, uh, I just want you to know, Jesus, you're known and you're loved and and Jesus cares for you. And I laid out the gospel to him at that moment. Uh, But in response, he was like, uh, he looks around. He's like, what is this for? Why are you here? Uh, and then um, I was just like, I'm just sharing with you the hope that I found. You know, I'm no better than you. And I, I just want to encourage you today. Like, there's something greater outside of this. And then mm-hmm. I, I walk off. But at that point, I was just like, wow, this is really real. And I mean, I know it's sort of, you know, all the media, all the things going on, the tension of this world, it sort of flared everything up the past few uh, months or so, um, especially, you know, the past couple of weeks with the media. But needless to say, it's racism is real. And I can't say that I'm not guilty at one point in my life before Christ of having my biases and things like it, because I would be furthest from the truth. I, I couldn't say that, you know, when someone doesn't, when, when I walk by someone at a park, you know, a, a white couple and they don't look at me or, or they don't acknowledge me waving at them. Like I've had, I'm guilty of saying in my own mind that they must be racist or something like that, especially in these times. Like I'm just so confused to a certain degree, like, what is going on? Like, how do we approach this topic uh, in this time, man? So, like, I'm so, yeah, I'm just, I'm lean. I'm not saying that I've lost my hope or I'm discouraged. I'm truly encouraged because I know, I know what the Lord says is true, that one, our Savior heals. Number two is that God is a God of unity. Like, I, I go back to all that. But at the end of the day, uh, it's hard to, you know, sort of, 
fully be convinced of the eternal truth of God's word all the time when our emotions were waging war in our own souls. So, so yeah, I'm just saying, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean, man? So it's just crazy, crazy times. Well, and, thanks for sharing your own story. And Rashawn, I think that just speaks to how your faith leads in everything that you would take a moment where you could easily be at least confused or discouraged, if not angry and hurt, and then actually pursue relationship. Thanks for sharing that. I'm curious, Rashawn, and just call it out. What's not helpful things that people might say after, um, you know, an atrocity makes these things bubble back up to the surface, a a text that you may get a phrase that somebody may say to you that Mm. is not only just maybe not helpful, but even hurtful to you. This wasn't as helpful whenever a young Go lady ahead and say it. approached me and she basically said, I know, I know you're a leader. I know this and that, but I know the black, you know, sort of community, which there's some truth in this, the black community here in 2020, you know, is going through an intense time. And I know you specifically have so many things coming at you and this and that, uh, but I don't know. Sometimes the sympathy card, like too heavy, is like distasteful for the timing. I, I would be more thankful and 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 if there was a solution, like if like either if you could listen to what I'm truly feeling, or if there was a solution that you could bring to the table versus like the sim, you know, the sympathy card for me. I don't know if that could be pride or anything, but I don't know. It's just I'd rather like I could have us actively, you know, have a conversation at a table of equality rather than, you know, what you've been hearing and you sort of bringing it right back around. You know what I'm saying it just hmm. I'd rather it be an honest dialogue than just a long paragraph full of you know, things you're seeing on Facebook and Twitter and, and trying mm. to sort of build me up that way. Honest. Mm. Yeah. And I know, I know you, and that's why you said, yes, let's have a conversation. Let's do this. Yeah. Um, is I have, uh, I don't know, three or four conversations with friends that we're going to go for a walk and just yeah. process that. That's great. Um, I love so that. I, I wish you lived closer, man. I wish we didn't have to do this over zoom. <laughs> But yeah. I have some questions that I specifically want to ask them. Obviously, we had a conversation off air before um, we hit record. And so if you're listening and you are a white leader, just to be able yeah. to reach out and say, hey, if you have the energy, if, if you have the time, um, let's have a conversation this week. So I think true. it's a great next step for that. All right. Uh, white leaders have platform. Uh, who are listening to this, something on social media, uh, something, you know, physically where they impact a team, a nonprofit, a business, a church, you name it. So what are some specific things um, that in such awful moments like these, a white leader can personally do with their influence to continue to fight for equity and reconciliation? Love that, bro. That's a great question. I truly believe in a lot of, you know, sort of white leaders, it's better to speak up than than not speak at all. But I think what's so important uh, is as you're speaking up, really feel, feel, feel us on a personal level. Like when I see sort of George Floyd down there on the ground, I see myself Mm. and I seen and heard him cry out for his mom at that nine seconds that police had his sort of neck or his knee in his neck, I literally felt myself in that 
scenario. And I really wept when I was watching him. Mm-hmm. And not only that, the young man, and this is the thing about the black community. When one of us sort of go down, all of us sort of go down. That's what it, that's what it feels like because we've been sort of, I guess, trained or wired to sort of stick together in times where we need to stick together. Of course, you know, I've been a victim of black on black crime. There's been two times a bullet barrel, a gun has been, you know, sort of pointed at me. One was by police, four police officers when I was a senior in high school on graduation night. Number two was when I was shot down by a gang member and I was literally shot twice and left for dead by a gang member. So, every single time has had this long lasting lingering effect on me. When I'm at a gas station, I'm one looking over my shoulder for a gang member to come up and take my life. That's just something I wrestle. Even with my book, start where you are. I speak into that. Like what I struggle with out of living out of fear sometime because of my past experience with gang members. But number two, whenever a cop is, you know, potentially going to pull me over I'm wondering, I'm trying to figure out whether or not I should raise my window down or should I start the camera now and things like Mm -hmm. that. So like, it's just, I've experienced so many different levels of, of pain, which I mean, I think it just carries on from the oppression, you know, from slavery and just moving forward and sort of part of our DNA. But also you think about the attack that we've been having uh, with uh, COVID-19, you hear the media say, you know, um, it's a much like, it's a greater chance for Black people, you know, to get that thing. And, you know, it affected us three times or four times more than any other community. So in our mind, to once a degree, we can't breathe because of COVID-19, the enemy's attack on that. And then the next sense, we have a man down here who can't breathe, you know, like, it's just like, where is the... And where's the love? And that's where it is. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's a sin problem. It's a demonic assault. But then there's hope. You know, you look at Azuzu Street Rivalry. That was, you know, of you know, American pastor leaders, but also it was a great unity between the church as a whole that sort of sparked a revival. So I'm extremely hopeful from what's going on. But dude. I think we all just need to get back to that Psalms 139 where it says we're beautifully, you know, different, but we're commonly, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and we need to just come together. That's it. That's it. The day we need to do, bro. And Alan, I appreciate you. Let me voice just my heart a lot. Mm. This is emotion and pain that I've been through. And, but I am still grasping the eternal truth. So I just want to let you know that, man, it's just crazy right now for us. Yeah, I know. I know you are. And number one, um, it hurts when yeah. you express that, you know, and, and I want to, I want to hurt when my friends hurt. Uh, secondly, uh, I see, I mean, we're part of a, a network initiative network yeah. where these are conversations that happen before it spikes in the news. And so mm. I look at younger leaders uh, like you, and I just get excited about what God's doing in your life right now. Wow. And what God's going to do in your life 10, 15, 20 years down the line. Um, I, I can't wait thanks to for, see that. So thanks for both for sharing God. both the pain and the hope. I know you feel, you feel both of those. Um, yes. What are some helpful resources or ways that white leaders can learn besides maybe an interview like this, besides maybe a conversation uh, with a friend of color? Any resources you'd recommend to white leaders um, at this time? 
You know what? I have not been doing a lot of book reading as far as from the, the, the what's going on with the racial tension. I would just definitely say I, I have literally ordered, just ordered a book called, uh, well, it's a, from the lady who is the founder of Be the Bridge, and I, I'm going to check it out. But I would definitely just say, oh, man, I don't, I don't know what's after God? Google and I mean, do your research. What I would say, I, I, at these times, I'm just getting with people. People are one of the greatest resources we can have. Hearing, sitting down, hearing a story, that's where I've been. Like, I want to hear real, raw stories, but I know there's this statistical standpoint. You want to make sure that things are, uh, you know, sort of lining up statistically and truthful in different things like that. But man, I just been with people lately. That's been one of the greatest resources for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Sitting down, having a coffee, going on a walk, like you said. Uh, but there are books to be and there's videos to be watched. But at the end of the day, I think the heart of a person, you know, I mean, what flows out of mouth of a person is the, the person and having those conversations. Yeah, remember George Floyd and everyone else affected. Even not only that, I've seen the white community affected in a huge way just through of this. Uh, people like looting and all this other stuff is is ridiculous, it's terrible. And I mean, even people being hurt and killed after the fact, it it isn't changing anything, you know. So, yeah. Thanks for thanks for sharing that. What I'm hearing is, yes, do the work read uh, almost anything i think to understand both the history of black oppression in yeah. this country and beyond but also there's some incredible writers uh in in this moment and we have some resources uh as well we'll, we'll probably make a list i would imagine of those um on our field notes over on our stay forth page during this time um yeah. Rashawn, i wonder do you have a desire or a prayer uh for the church during and after this season yeah. Um, so my biggest, one of my biggest desire is don't throw in the towel. Uh, don't get, certainly don't give up on God. Uh, don't give up on the church, you know, continue to stay rooted and grounded. You know, when these winds come in, uh, it's just a temporal thing. We know there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth that we can look forward to, but have this be something that convicts you and convinces you that, um, hey, the gospel has to go forth. You know, we're all sinful, broken human beings, and this is the result of it. And go and be that message of hope wherever you are, even if they their skin don't look like you, like you, even if you've been offended five minutes ago, go share the gospel with the person who offended you. Love your neighbor. You know, if someone smacks you, give them the other cheek. And um, yeah, so I would just go back to the exact words of Jesus. Um, he that wants to keep his life must lose it, but he that loses his life, um, you know, will find it. You know, he that loses his life will find it. So I encourage everyone with that. Well, just thanks for that, man. Yeah. Uh, anything else that you'd like to say to white leaders that, that are listening? Big message, small yeah. message, something really specific. You got anything else? So what I would, uh, another thing I would say really quick, because I've been literally, bro, Alan, I've been having conversations. So, and specifically with the black community, even brothers, like young believers in the faith that uh, are in the church, but they're sort of confused. They're still, you know, young in the faith about a lot of stuff. And one thing I'm hearing in the black community specifically is that 
a lot of pastors have not spoken on anything about racial reconciliation or anything, what's going on. There's nothing happening. And as a result of that, there's people in the black community immediately leaving the churches. And I know like, if I said his name, you would know him. It's a huge pastor that someone even in my personal family had had just left his church this past week because he's not speaking into any of this. And the tough, tough thing, uh, it's tough to have these conversations, but at at the end of the day, they must, we must have them. So I would encourage you, sort of implore you to go out and, and speak to your congregation, speak about what's going on truthfully, grace, graciously, and in love. Thanks. Thanks for that. Um, Rashawn, love you, man. And love you, you too, are, you, you drop hope in so many different ways. We're going to have you back onto our podcast to hear about your book. Uh, it's coming out. Start where you are. Where can folks follow along with you online? Thank you, bro. Anywhere we're playing any and every platform and uh, start where you are. Book.com is where you can grab the book. Thank you so much, Alan. Love you, bro. Can't wait for our call. Our next one. Appreciate <laughs> you, man. Keep it up. All right, brother. Thank you. Well, guys, we hope that you found this episode of the podcast to be encouraging. Um, It was a very powerful conversation, a very real conversation. It's a very hurtful topic, but it's a conversation that needs to be had. And it may be uncomfortable to discuss with friends and family, but I will say this. One thing that's very true is when we want to grow and we want to take steps forward, we grow and we step outside of our comfort zones. And now is the time for leaders across the board, white leaders especially, to step outside of our comfort zones, have these real conversations with our friends, with our family family, seek out our black friends and leaders that we know of color and and really sit under them and learn. And do me a favor, you can take these conversations and share. These are short, practical, they're real, they're raw. Listen to it with a couple of people, hop on Zoom, meet together, have a cup of coffee and open up a dialogue to say, you know, what can we do to be better? What can we do to move forward? What can we do to just become more enlightened? Um, that would be my challenge for you as you take away from this. And also, if you head over to Stay Forth com forward slash field notes. We put a great resource together with movies, books, and several conversations of um, white leaders and black leaders talking together to to help white leaders become more educated and better better equipped. So check that out. That's stayforth.com forward slash field notes, and we will link it in the show notes. As always, thanks for tuning into the podcast, and we will see you on the next episode.